everyone, this is Dan, the GM, bringing you episode 133 of What the Dice. That's right, my friends, 133 episodes, and we are still pushing for Spotify ratings. That's right, we want to beat down that algorithm monster just a little bit more to get the word of What the Dice out. So, if you want to help us out, head on over to the Spotify app and head over to our page. From there, you should be able to hit three little dots, which will bring up the rating page. All you need to do is give us some stars, and we will be ever so grateful. Other than that, if you want to join us on our Discord, you can head on over to whatthedice.weebly.com or at whatthedicepod over in the Twitterverse. Both of those will get you a way to join our Discord, and you can see our Patreon and our merch shop. Head on over to our merch shop, buy yourself some stickers and some t-shirts, and help us grow in various ways. So, that's it. I'm going to shut up. Thank you for joining us this week. This is episode 133. This is What the Dice. And you, my friends, are awesome. As we approach the storyteller's campsite, the wind is picked up and it is bitter cold once again. We pull our cloak tight to shield ourselves from the cold, bitter wind, our feet tromping down on the snow below us. Getting to the storyteller's campsite, we notice that there's a few arrows that are in the ground. The arrowheads themselves are charred and blackened as if they were lit aflame. And we see the storyteller leaning in his doorframe, flipping through the book and waiting for us. As he sees us, he gives us a large, warm smile. Well, well, me friends. Welcome, welcome. Please, please, come in from the cold and warm yourself by the fire. Don't mind the arrows. I was practicing archery and... Well, at night, I figured it would be wise to light them aflame so I could see where they go and how off my shots are. Needless to say, these old bones are not what they once were. Archeries, there's hard to do at my age. But stories, stories, me friends, I can do. Now, last we spoke, the adventurers have finished a second strange power generator to help Lucas out. Well, Lucas and his strange family. Well, after a quick rat pine fight, the adventurers were able to power up. And now, with two generators down, they can make their way closer to Lucas and see if he will hold up his end of the bargain. Well, my friends, sit, relax, and hear me tale. In the last episode, you guys had to flip a panel open, activate some button bits, and raise up the motor, or the 
the generator. As the generator rises up, it summons out three very perturbed rat pines. In the subsequent battle, you guys are victorious, and the strangest thing happened. The generator's all prepped and primed, and the switch from off to on is all that is required. So with a quick flip of a short man's little hand and very small amounts of electricity flowing through his body, the generator boots up without a problem. And the lights and the ads of this serene little area boot up. As the power boots up completely and all these ads are playing, it's they're quiet. They're not loud enough to where they're bothering you, but it makes this place much more busy uh, visually. There's neons going on and stuff like that. And it looks like this area is clear and you can move on as you can hear Lucas's voice over the PA. Well, well, my friends, it seems as if I'm at two-thirds power. Now, if you want to head on over to my main stage, we can have a discussion and hopefully get this third generator up and uh, running. And I will get you on your merry little way upstairs. Kalila will just look at Defibulous and Faye and be like, why is the swindler the more honest one? Well, simple. I mean, what does he have to lose by sending us to do the work? I mean, why should he lie about getting wanting the power? It works out for him and we get what we want. All matter of perspective, I guess? Hmm. Well, Kalila will pull out the map that they did actually get for this place and figure out the best way to go. To the south, you see three hallways. That is, seems to be the fastest way. We will call entrance A, the most uh, northern. Entrance B is the one that's in the center. Entrance C is the one that is southernmost. As you approach them, you can feel A and B are frigid cold. And as you look down C, you can see water that is sparking. And you see bodies of addicted that are sparking as there's clearly high voltage running through this water. Well, even I can tell you, uh, that guy, that, that hallway's the worst. Shocking. Hmm. Do we still have, I guess we're gonna have to use one of those, uh, cold injection things. It depends if the electricity is hard, strong enough to melt, melt it, though. Well, no, it's the coal or the flame one. The, to melt it, not the electrical one. Oh, sorry. Remember how I melted the one door? Yeah, I kind of remember that. Gonna rifle through the bag and see if we have one. But it looks like, unless somebody else has notes somewhere else, we only have one left of Spark. That con I concur with that. That sounds right, that we only have one left. All right, Kalila will pull the syringe that's all red liquidy with a little flame emblem on it and be like, who's up? Is it my turn? Yeah, I think this one's yours. All right. Hmm. I would be willing to bet that if we stick with the same kind, that the effects might be less painful on us. 
we might have less chances of addiction. Well, we used the shocker ones last time, and then I was the first one with the fire. And then Defibulus used a fire one. Oh, he used the ice one. Oh, my bad. Yeah, so I think going forward, we should attempt to stick to the same one or two types, if we can. I think it might just give us a better shot at fighting the addiction and the any of the other negative effects. Alright, so I have fire, Defibulus has what? Ice, and you take the, the shocker? Pretty much. Well, I will shrug and hesitantly stab herself. As the injection enters your bloodstream, you feel that warmness in your fingertips and paw, paw bits. Paw bits? Yeah, paw bits work. Paw bits. Pawful Angies. Yes. I thought they were paw pads. And it's a comforting feeling. Uh, it feels like you've got a nice little belly full of alcohol and your fingertips are warm to the touch. And your claws have a, a slight glow to them. Which path are you taking? Can I a? have any kind of vantage point down A or B? They are both long and iced over where there are icicles hanging down all the way down, but it looks like there is a clear walking path on both of them. One looks like the wall is slightly closer than the other. So B, you can kind of see the wall. A, it, you think you see the wall, but you're not sure. Well, I'm going to walk down, take some perceptions on both, and see if one path seems better than the other. If not, I am literally, Kalila's going to just eeny, meeny, miny, mo, catch a cat by her tail. Okay, so you're going to walk both of them with perceptions? Yes. All right, just give me two perceptions. The first one's in that one, so we'll say that's hallway A. Mm-hmm. The second one... Is a 24. Both of them look easy to walk and will give you no trouble. All right. Kalila will be like, middle one? And see if anybody objects. Mm, what's your basis for this? They both seem fine to me, and I can't tell a difference between which one's smarter to melt. I only get one shot. Defibulous will take a close look down these hallways himself. Okay. If, uh, give me a perception on each. 39 on the first roll and a 22 on the second. As you walk down the first hallway, you see, you know, in the beginning, it's just this dark blue glass, glassish ice where you can kind of see through it. And as you go deeper, you start to notice there's something a little different about this ice. You see little green flecks in it and as you get closer to the wall and you see the wall itself you see frozen fish inside the wall itself watching up down the edges you see that that piece of frozen ice is actually sealed a pretty decent sized hole you look above and you see that there's a conduit that is labeled liquid nitrogen that is just constantly pouring some kind of strange liquid onto the metal, which has created this super dense frozen seawater. As you walk down the second row, 
it's standard ice. Uh, it's clear. It's clean looking. And you look up to where the ice is coming from, and you just see a busted pipe above that just says drinking water. And it's a small pipe about the size of a gold coin thickness. But that doesn't explain why it's frozen, though. Uh, it's probably running along the same line as the liquid nitrogen, but this hallway is also bitterly cold. So it could be that there's remnant leaks of the liquid nitrogen above. It's hard to say. All right, Dephibius, well, we definitely don't want to go down the far left one. Lyle will just nod. Yeah, apparently um, what you think is glass is actually ice sealing the, that entire area up. I didn't... You mean the glass wall? Yeah, I saw the glass wall and the ice wall. What do you mean? Uh, there are frozen fish in the ice wall. Oh, that sounds very bad. Yeah, middle one it is. Well, Faye, do you want to take a look in case I miss something? Because I don't want to melt something and end up underwater. Well, more so than I am underwater, because I am sitting in an underwater facility. Yeah, I'll go take a look at these. Um, couple of perception rolls? Yep, two perceptions. While Faye's looking out, what kind of fish were they? Um, fish, you know, the type that swim in water. She'll nod. He'll describe the fish to her, though. Okay, one of them is a nat 20 roll, and the other is a 29. Which one was first? Because we're assuming the first one is A, since you didn't specify which one you were going down first. I did not, so... DM's choice. Nope, it's which one you rolled first. Nice at the same time, okay? 36. Okay. With the 36, yeah, you walk in there and you definitely see the ice from outside is sealed up by not just this strange liquid nitrogen that is pouring down, but it looks like something from the outside has put huge amounts of ice around it. And you kind of watch and look around. And yeah, if you would have melted A, you would have let in a lot of seawater. You go back and you look down the center aisle and you get up to where the ice wall is and you look through and it's clear water. You look up and yeah, there's definitely a pipe above that says drinking water that has been frozen down, creating the ice wall. I will go confirm everybody's findings. Kyle will nod and go, all right, cat instincts for the win. And approach the middle ice wall and put her paws on it like she did last time and think lots of hot things to try and melt it. As you place your hands on there, you can start to feel your hands kind of sink into the ice a little bit and then you start to see the the ice itself start to get this red glow to it and then it starts to slowly melt. And as it melts, you start to feel that cold dripping of water above as the pipe is now freely pouring cold drinking water on your head. It is not enough to flood the hallway, but it is like a uh, like a faucet sink that is leaking right above your head. That kind of level of water pressure. So will a cloth, if I cram it in the pipe, make it stop? Yeah. All right. Take a random rag that's in her pocket and stuff. But you also remember that the chemical you have currently running through your bloodstream is designed to weld. So you could technically just reach up and seal the pipe by hand. Yes, but doesn't that take a use to do that? Yes, it does. Yeah, I'm not going to waste the use. 
Okay. I'm just going to plug it with a piece of cloth. Okay. okay. I probably would because we may have to come back down this hallway later, and I don't think having something frozen would be a good idea. Hey, guys. What up? I have one of those welding thingies still. Yeah, give it a shot. Can someone give me a boost up there? Because um, this place was not yep. designed for short people. Milo will help. Make that two. And Mr. Skellingsworth standing guard. I have forgotten I have a skeleton. Yep. All right. Oh, or you could climb him. I bet you could use his bones like a ladder. <laughs> that would be funny. All right. So, Defibulous, I need you to roll a knowledge engineering. Profession or knowledge? You need the profession. Okay, thank you. 32. All right. You're able to get up there and... It fights you a little bit, but you're eventually able to, between, like, shoving something in the pipe and heating it up, and you eventually use the la How many uses? You had, like, two uses left on it, right? Yes. Yeah, it is now got no uses left on it because you were trying to weld through water that was flowing, but you were able to seal it. Defibrious will still put it back in the bag. He's like, I hope I can recharge this thing. Maybe Lucas can tell us how... Yeah, that's possible. That would be nice. So there is still water inside this walkway. It's only about, eh, shin to ankle deep. Not very deep at all, but it is still kind of cold water. Would you guys like to continue down? This yep. Yes, please. Let's get out of the cold. Okay. Moving into this new area, it's what we would know as Vegas style. There are coin slot machines that are set up. All of them are broken, but you see coin slot machines wrapping around the hallways and down the aisleways. You see a bar to the south that is what looks like used to be well-stocked. And you see addicted. They're walking around, and they look like they're in what you would imagine dress clothes would look like. Something that you would see gamblers wear. You have that like what looks like it probably used to be a nice shirt and pants and but they're now torn up and ripped up and they're all wearing masks of different designs but they all have some kind of gold or silver or platinum shine to them. They are walking around and they notice you and they kind of give you a, a large breath. This must be part of Lucas's, uh, she makes quotations with her paws, family. As you move in deeper, you see that there are small boxes that are set up with timers that have different injectables in it. And you see a couple of the addicted kind of shamble around and they kind of look at, at the clock and then they shamble off. It's almost as if they're waiting for possibly a meal or their next injection. They do give you as much breath as you get, as you approach near them, they walk like 15 feet away from you to give you that like, I'm not bothering you kind of like feel. Holding true to what Lucas said. They won't bother us. Yes. 
You guys gonna continue deeper? Press onward. Yeah, unless something is particularly like screaming, hey, investigate me, she's just gonna keep quietly moving forward. As you make your way down, you eventually hit two massive double doors. Things that you would see on a, the entrances to major cities like the Holy City. Jutting out from the wall are two massive balconies with these strange black massive cylinders on them with what look like little red targeting lights. Kind of like what Kalila has on her bow. Or like them red eyes. Yes. Down deep, deep, deep. And up near the ceiling, you see a single door with a ornate and golden fence. The door swings open in a very dramatic fashion, and those two black things boot up, and they're bright lights that turn and focus up on this focus up on this addicted. The suit that he is wearing is black but shiny. His matted hair is combed back, and in his hand, he shuffles a deck of cards from hand to hand in a magician-style arc. Looking down, he gives a, a smile, and he goes, Well, well, you must be them strangers. I, my friends, am Lucas, and I welcome you. The doors slowly fling open, and you hear the sounds of brass music that was very similar to what was played on the Murdoch, except it's a little bit more upbeat, a little bit more jazzier. There's the sound of someone walking down some metal stairs, and eventually Lucas makes it to the large doors. Well, 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 come on in, come on in. The casino is always open to friends of mine. We still have a job to do, unfortunately, but now with all of us here, we might be able to finish it. As you walk in, this room is ordained with massive tables for what we would know as poker and blackjack and there's slot machines and there is every means of gambling that we today would know as well as female and male automatons walking serving injectables to the addicted that are here that seem to be more battle injured. You see some that are heavily injured that are missing pieces of their arm or have like bloodied eyes. And it looks like they're being treated medically as well. He goes, I do apologize for the state of my home, but we had a problem with a small man with a big Tommy gun shooting my friends and family before we were able to evacuate them. Who was that? Ah, uh, now, I like to call him a psycho. And, uh, Emma, Emma knows his real name. I don't, I don't know. He's a, he's a little mobster from back before the fall, before we all became what you see today. And, uh, there ain't nothing left of that man's brain. It's all fried from all the chems. All the 
injections that he does. And I think he's doing the same to his fam. Well, not his fam. They are his warriors, his enforcers, his scouts, his kick down the door and start mucking about in people's business that he don't need no mucking about about. As he walks and talks, he continues to shuffle the cards in a flourish of ways. And he goes, Now, I'm sure you didn't have too, too much trouble, did y'all? No, just the normal amount. Although the one that was really creepy... Wow, just shudders. Uh, it seems we didn't have as much trouble as you did. Um... May I take a look at some of your family members? He raises an eyebrow and he goes, You may, but you may not know how to deal with it. It seems as, based on how you are dressed, it seems the cameras do not lie. Don't seem like you're from the City of Gold. We already told you we weren't. Right, but you could say that, but sometimes the way you walk and the way you talk and the way you dress tell you a little bit more about someone than the words. But please, come on in. As you walk in fully, the doors slowly shut. He continues to walk with you. Now, I'm sure y'all have thousands of questions for me. You have seen my little slice of purgatory and I have tried my best to keep it maintained but things will happen so Faye what are you looking for in these uh, injured addicted um well I was gonna see if I could heal a couple of the worst injuries a little bit and um I wanted to try and see if what we talked about earlier um, would help with the addiction side effects. Uh, remind me what we were talking about earlier. I think it was in one of the last sessions. Um, I'm looking for the exact spell again right now, but I think... Try to pure, uh, cleanse the, disease, the, the infection. Yeah, that, but I was tr trying to remember exactly which spell I was thinking about. Yeah, sure. If you can tell me what the spell is, you can cast it. Kalila's going to attend to her spider, by the way, and heal up Hugin. Okay. And I'm trying to think if there is anything that Kalila would have to ask for Lucas, because she just wants to get the, the, the out of here quickly. Okay, so restoration. Let me find one of the worst damaged people and uh, do some magical mending patching for them. So, Mr. Lucas. Yes, my Schultz friend. So, you said the, the Godspell had just left on its maiden voyage when you guys were down here? Yes, it was. It was quite a parade, I've I heard. I'm not much for the type to watch military parades, but I did cast it on the Tridios. It was a, a pretty, pretty sight. Massive, isn't it? It is. It was, by what I was hearing, one of the biggest airships ever built. Now, from the time that it launched its maiden voyage to this point, how many years has that been? 
Uh, my friend, time feels like it flows so much different down here. We don't have day and night cycles as he gestures up and you see just darkness of water above you. We are so deep under the waves. I don't remember what the smell of the ocean smells like. I just know what the strange filtered air smells like. All right, but you must have like ways of keeping track of days and all that, like uh, a calendar to a degree. Yeah, we have a calendar, but it is controlled by the master computer, which by what we've been told went nuts, shall we say, and resets every now and then. So he walks over and hits a screen. According to the calendar, it is about 9 a.m. 2040. Now, when I showed up here, it was 2045. So I can tell you that this calendar is very, very wrong. All right, humor me. How old are you, sir? He goes, now, now, that's not very nice to ask a gentleman. How old do I look? Mm. Well, humor me, because I'm trying to put together a timeline for where we are versus where you're from. He looks at you and nods and he goes, now, my friend, I have had many, many surgeries to make myself look and stay young. I have multiple cybernetics at purify things a little differently. I gave up my original heart back when I was young in the military. But, uh, unfortunately, my age, I'm in my late 50s. Now, I feel like I don't look like, even in my uncouth looks, I don't feel like I look past 80. These drugs, though they prolong your life quite a bit, they do wreck the body. Because mm, according to the records we found, because we've been to the Godsville. Ah, now I, I hear this was a military vessel. Y'all don't look military. There's well, a bunch of dwarves living in it now, and it's hold on, hold on, Yeah, okay, it, okay. it crash landed into a mountain full of dwarves a couple, what was it, Dan? A thousand years ago or so? Two thousand. It's been crash landed into a it crash landed into a mountain twenty three hundred and change years ago. That's according to its records. He he actually I don't want to say laughs at you, but he laughs and he goes, "Now I'm guessing you're not from mm, you're not a." I don't want to say educated, because it's clear you have some education, but you are, uh, let me show you. He walks over and he hits a button, and it shows February 18th, 2045. And he goes, now, depending on the system you're talking about, they don't refer to the whole date. They'll just say 2055. Now, 2055 looks like 2000, 2055, but uh, unfortunately, I think there might be some misconstrues from things. Now, I don't know what's going on up top, but I know I have been under these seas 
for many a year. But I'm pretty sure my predicament ain't the problem. I believe y'all need to get out. You're clearly not comfortable here. You're clearly not the be addicted, and I'm pretty sure you don't want to end up like us. No, I don't think that'd be good for us. And Defibrious will rummage through the stuff that he got from the Godspell, because I know something had a date on it. Like, it had the full, like, month, day, year. I don't know about the time. But he will see if he can rummage through his bag and find something with that. Okay. Well, while he's doing that, does anyone else have anything they want to ask Lucas or anything that you want to try? Um, other than healing a couple of the worst family members, um, I wanted to try the effects of lesser restoration and see if that helps at all. Okay. So for your healing, as you try to heal them, you can feel the magic exit your body and as it enters theirs, it almost rubber bands back at you in a painful way, as if the magic was being rejected by something. So I can't even close up any gunshot wounds? Not on them, no. But as you take a closer look and you start to, you know, try it again, because you don't feel like you expended any energy, you go to someone else and you try it, and it's the same thing. You have that rubber band kickback, but you almost see as if there's this strange darkness that is encompassed parts of their body. Can I try inflict light wounds to see if negative energy assists them? Okay, I need you to roll damage. Seven points of necrotic. As you try that, you see parts of the body turn black and open up with wounds and the infected pull or not the infected the uh the addicted the addicted pull away from you with a a growl and kind of stands and shambles off to a, a different area he lucas walks over to you with a an unamused look in his eyes and he goes hmm i'm a i'm guessing you one of them Mojo flingers, huh? Uh, in our time and place, I'm a cleric. Nah, I, I don't know what a cleric is. Um, something like a priest or a uh, a follower of a deity. You don't hmm. have clergy where you are. Not that can. Well, I mean, we got some people of different religions that that are mojo flingers. Uh, you ain't like some kind of. Shaman, or uh, you ain't a, a, in a dead. You don't What's have a mojo look. flinger. Uh, what the shaman is probably a reasonable word for it. A little less nature balanced. I don't follow one of the uh, <clears throat> good aligned gods. And he raises an eye. Good aligned god. Now, okay, mojo flingers. Uh, uh, spellcasters. That's what they call themselves. Y yeah, spellcasters. Yes, we have the ability to cast magic. Ah, okay, so you are a mojo flinger. Well, yeah, we've tried to use a uh, mojo a couple of times to heal, but uh, once you get enough of this stuff in your system, you, mojo don't work on you. 
it, it's almost like getting your augs in without taking the aug itself. I don't know how to explain it better than that. Uh, this stuff rewrites you. It, it changes your building blocks and it makes you a little bit more capable of using things like weldings and sparking some electricity when need be. Now, by what I heard, if you don't overdo it, you're fine, but as you see, it's kind of become a way of life down here. It stops you from getting hungry, so it's either that or trying to find a good meal. And meals down here become rarer and rarer. And cannibalism, that's just not accepted. Well, that's a relief. It still isn't where and when we are. He continues to walk you northern. And there is a massive sheet of ice that is stretched up to the ceiling. And there are multiple of his family members that are glowing blue that keep their hands on this. And he goes, now, we're about to enter an area that is inundated. And I mean inundated, my friends, with enforcers, scouts, and then pesky harvesters. Now, a couple of the more feral of my family have been residing here. Now, I'm going to stay with you as much as I can, and they should keep at bay. They're all full switches that we're going to have to flip all at the same time. And there are little intercoms nearby that you can click a little button and we can keep in communicate without having to shout. You don't want the, the feral of our family to find you. Some of them are very deep into the electrical and some of them are even deeper into the flames. He walks up to this ice wall and the uh, the addicted that are there pull away and he snaps his hands and his hands turn a brilliant white and he places his hand on the ice wall and it just turns to mist in seconds. He snaps his finger and his hand goes out. He goes, now, we might want to be a little bit on the quieter side. So my small friend, your firearm, I would uh, holster that for a little bit. And I will show you where we're going to need to go. If was, uh, sorry, but I was looking the bag wet. Your firearm, you're, yeah. you're going to want to holster that. You're going to want to be as quiet as possible. When these are... Uh, feral hear a sound the swarm as black ants on a bloody wound once we get the generator up and running they'll run tail for the darkness but until then it's best to be quiet oh by chance uh Dan, did Tephibius find something with the date that he was looking for? I think he had a data pad from the Godspell that he cast. Yes. A functional one. Wasn't wasn't that the one with the recording on it? It might have been, yes. Yeah, it's just the recording. There's a timestamp on it, but it's more of like the recording's timestamp. But it still has a visible timestamp, though. Yeah, you can show that to him. Yeah, here's, here's one of them. He takes the data pad and flicks through it and he goes, 
Hmm, military grade. Oh, this ain't... Well, this might be Ares tech. I don't recognize a lot of this. Okay, so... Oh, this is the... I'm assuming this is the, the crash of the, the gods. No, this is... What is all this? He continues to watch. He goes, hmm. Yeah, according to this, this happened, uh... Well... It happened... What looks like... About a year after... After the incident here happened. After the motherboard here shut down. Yeah, just about a year. So it looks like whenever the gods fell... Crash landed. It looks like, uh... It was a year after this place shut down. But it That's... catapulted the... Gods fell... Two and a half thousand years into our past. He shrugs. He goes, "That that's a little bit above me. I'm I'm just a simple gambler, a good gambler, but just a simple gambler. My education ended in high school. Learned the rest on the street." Ah, now that I understand. All right, everybody, gather around. Let's get quiet. Say, uh has a spell called Muffle Sound that grants a bonus to stealth checks. Lucas doesn't need it, because this is his people. Yep, plus four bonus on stealth checks for a while. But we do have a 20% chance of spell failure if the spells we use have verbal components. I don't think that's an issue. Lucas lets you cast the spell, and he steps in, and it's dark. Um... Not super dark, because there's that, like, ambient, pulsing red light. He's like, now, I'm going to walk y'all to where I need you to be. Now, there'll be plenty of places for y'all to hide if you hear anything. Just slip into where I tell you, and the ferals will just uh, slip on past. Who wants to get put in their place first? I'm probably the quietest. I'll take the longest path. I'll take the middle one. He looks at the fibulous. How stealthy are you, short man? Uh, well, stealth was never my greatest asset, but I can be kind of quiet. Better than the tin can. Oh, God, <laughs> definitely. He gives a nod and he goes, well, then y'all need to follow me. And he begins to walk you north. He opens... As you walk through, you can hear the sounds of bones crunching as if something is beaten, eat, being eaten. And you hear the the groans of what you all would recognize as more of like the undead groan. And it's this air is stale and uncomfortably warm for being deep underwater. As you walk into this strange-looking control room, Lucas opens up a small office, and inside you see the strange little box with the keyboards, and he pulls out a piece of paper and quickly scratches a couple of notes down. He goes, now, my, my, my friend, you're going to sit in this room. We're going to shut the door. You'll be able to lock it from the inside. He hands you the piece of paper with a ton of of letters and dashes and alphanumerical code, stuff that 
we would know as programming code, but for you is just a jumble of nonsense. You, my friend, you're going to type in all of this. By the time you're done, we should have everyone in position. He points to a small box on the wall with a little red button on it. That That's an intercom. You click that and we'll hear you. Once you type in the code, a small button will light up and you'll press that when everyone is in position. You understand, my friend? Type that. Wait for everyone to be positioned. Hit button. Got it. He nods and he goes, now, he shows you where to lock the door from the inside. He goes, now, this ain't going to keep the, the ferals out permanently. It'll give you about four to five minutes or so before they break down that steel door. Now, it should only take us about ten minutes to get this system up and running. But you should be more than safe here. Mm, okay. He nods. He goes, well, hop on in and I'll get the rest in this position. Fibulous will hop on in. And are you going to shut and lock the door? Yes. As you shut and lock the door, you are sitting in a very comfortable chair, and you're able to look around, and you can see a couple of monitors that are showing in, like, a green hue that is giving more of, like, that night vision that we would know. And you're able to see there is quite a bit of movement. Lucas begins to walk to the next section. Hang on. Um, before he closes, leads us off, I'm going to ask if everywhere else will have such a secure waiting point. He goes, not necessarily. The The last one will. Uh, the next one is a little bit more in the open, but you'll be up in the, the rafters. You're not going to be as easily accessible. They'll have to climb up a ladder, and the ferals, they ain't too keen on climbing ladders. They tend to fall off. Okay. And Kalila actually, too, before he leads us off, she's going to take the belt of swap off of Hugin and give it to Defibulus. What's this for? In case you need to swap, Hugin can climb across the ceilings and avoid the ferals. This will instantly portal you to me if things go south. So we're at least together and can help each other. Oh, right, right. Good idea. Now, which one of you young ladies want to go next? I will. He walks slowly, and you see there are a couple points where he'll stop, and you'll hear the sounds of Feral crunching down on something, and then they'll start to walk away. He follows the path slowly west, and you pass through several areas that look like machinery that is powered down until he gets to the far north. He taps a few buttons on a, a system. And a very cramped looking room opens up. Inside, there's a button, a switch, and a box with the little green light. He goes, now. This one's going to be easy. When you're told go, you push the button, and then you flip the switch. This door does shut, but does not lock from the inside. But it is well hidden against the doors, and most of the ferals 
can't see the difference between the door frames and the walls themselves. This will be your position. Button, then switch. Yeah. Looking at Kalila, he goes, I hope you're not afraid of hats. I love them. He smiles, and he goes back down to the most center aisle. He reaches up and pulls something. And you see a ladder that goes almost all the way up to the dome height. And he begins to slowly climb. He goes, now you'll be able to retract the ladder from up there. And yours is going to be pretty simple. There's a single switch that you're going to flip when you're told to. Nod. As you go up, you're going up 30, 40 feet high. And you can just see down. The catwalks crisscross away, and you can see where there are different ladders that are retracted all the way up. Once at the top, he shows you how to pull the ladder up and lock it into place. And he walks over to a very simple-looking console, which has an intercom and a switch. She'll nod, give a thumbs up. He nods. And he walks over to the edge and slowly hoists himself over the railing. And he goes, I will uh, see you guys in a couple of moments. And he jumps down. You hear the sounds of what would only be imagined as just two simple footsteps as he lands on top of the generator. Kalila, can I get a perception check? Ooh, good one. 38. With a 38, you can see that he is reaching around and grabbing heavy wires. And you can see different of these addicted that are walking around that are that are sparking with lightning. And some of them are glowing red with flames. And some of which seem to be gliding on ice as if they are, are skiing. They all seem to be ignoring Lucas, except for one. He looks different than the others. Seems like he's got armoring on his body. And he is slowly approaching Lucas, inch by inch. You can see something as it reaches back and it seems to be pulling something out of its, off of its back. And you see the glint of steel. Oh, she'll have her bow coming out to take aim. And as you start to take aim, by this time, Defibulous, you have typed in the code following it step by step. And once you type in the last button, you see code accepted and the button lights up. There's a, a moment as Kalila, you let that arrow shot free. You know it's gonna hit the target as Lucas reaches up and hits a button and you hear him say, let's do this, let's light this puppet up. She'll flip her switch. Faye, your button lights up. You hear a click as the switch is released to be put into position. I flip it. Defibulous, your button is lit up. I will hit it. As you hit it, Kalila, you can see Lucas and he is now sparking with blue and white lightning as he is gripped onto these wires. And then all of a sudden, power starts to get restored and you hear the sounds of screams as these things, these addicted 
run into every dark crevice they can possibly find. And then you hear the in the uh, the generator fully power on, and the lights turn on, and you see a couple of the scouts have been watching. Strange little balls in their hands, their eyes honed in on Lucas himself. And below you, Kalila, you see one of the massive enforcers. He is looking up at you. No weapon drawn. He is just that that look. He is studying you. She's going to reach to the intercom and go, Lucas, you got scouts on you. Lucas looks up and slowly lets go of the electricals and they hit the ground with that heavy and the scouts continue to watch him and he raises his hands and he goes, nah, nah, I ain't here to fight. Just trying to help y'all out. You need the main power on. We all just want this to end. We all know this has gone, gone way too far. We all know that, right? The scouts seem to be quiet, not moving. Kalila, you hear the thump of what sounds like two heavy foot stomps. Is it from the one one big guy below me? Yes. Is he stomping at me or is the stomps going because he's walking? No, it's just that like stomp, stomp. Just not looking at you, just those two quick stomps. And the scouts reach behind them and the balls lock onto a strange pole and they zip off. Lucas looks around and is clearly breathing heavy as, and you can kind of see everything around you from where you stand, Kalila. You see storage rooms that are broken open and you see all the different, you can actually see out into the water a little bit. There's some gleaming lights. You see fish and sharks and glints of whales and stingrays and all sorts of fish. And it's, you can, you can see out into the water. It's not just this dark abyss. Pretty. She's keeping her eyes on the, the, the big dude under her and making sure Lucas doesn't get gangbanged. They walk off and you see them enter into strange stations in the wall and just disappear. Like, it seals and you hear the sounds of something and everything just, they're gone. What about the big guy underneath her? He's walked off. He has walked more towards, like, more towards the north. Due north, yeah. That door we couldn't get through before. Right. Okay. He is walking up towards that, just very calmly. Lucas is looking around. He reaches over to the intercom. All right, my friends. I believe the uh, the ferals have ran off to hide. What about that one that was approaching you? It's going to have one of my arrows in it. He looks over and he goes, well, I don't want to say he is dead, but I have seen coffins that have more living things in them. Why did he come after you? He reaches over and he goes, well, you remember that psyche I telling you about? Yes. This is one of his. Not one of yours. No. Surprised the whole family didn't take care of him. He must have found a way to smell like us. 
Well, the coast is clear. You're all able to come out. Uh, if you want to meet me in the center, uh, I might be a little child and I might smell bitter cooked flesh, but I'm doing okay. Lila will happily acrobatic her way down because she's a cat and she's up high, but she wants to investigate the uh, other one. Okay. See if he's new and different. Sniff him because she's a cat. Hey, you yeah. shot someone. Yeah, he was trying to stab Lucas. If you're jumping down, I do need an acrobatics roll. Make sure I don't land on my face. Yep. I guess I can give you a roll. Just one? Just one. 23. You land with a kind of a heavy thud, but it's... You weren't expecting... You were expecting a little bit more give than solid steel. Yeah, she's kind of used to dirt and grass. Yeah. So you're not hurt. It's more of that like, ow, okay, knees, knees. Hero landing. Yeah. And as Lucas steps down, you can see his clothing is nearly burnt off of him. You can see that parts of his chest are metal, some of which are having strange color of blues, and some of them are flashing red. He dusts himself off. He goes, hmm. Seems as if my uh, cybernetics didn't like that jolt of electricity. I was about to say, if you cooked anymore, you'd be, uh, kind of ashy. No, I wouldn't have smoked that much. Granted, uh, I will have to have a couple of bits repaired. And, uh, he taps his head to the side and he goes, Seems as if one of my optics have, uh, shorted out. Depths is a little weird now. Can Faye attempt to make some mending repairs? Uh, you can attempt. How many spell slots you got left? Mending is a cantrip. Oh, okay. And yeah, you can try. Yeah, I mean, it works on swords, technically. Mending worked on the little drone thingy on the godspell. Fair. Okay. So he's got a couple of things that are damaged that are clearly damaged. Uh, you see some sparks coming out of his arm. You see a couple pieces that are on his chest that are red-lighted. Um, and by what you can tell so far, anything that's flashing a red light, at least when dealing with this technology, red is bad. And he mentioned something about his optics not working properly. Uh, you're not sure what an optic is, but seeing he is tapping his head, you are safe to, assur- sure, safe to assume it is something in his head. I will start on the arm just in case something goes wrong the way it did with his, uh, his family member. So as you lay your hand on it to start to fix it, you see a couple things kind of click back into place, but it doesn't look like it fully repairs it. It looks as if you're able to mend things of simple mechanical nature, but this arm seems to be a lot more advanced than a a bee fly thing. Right. Um, Well, it looks like I can at least reduce the amount of work needed, so I'll go ahead and hit everything. Okay. Same thing, like his, the pieces of him that are flashing red kind of flash to a blue and then stay blue. Uh, the optics, you lay your hand on his head, but it doesn't seem to, anything has changed. He, uh, looks at Kalila and gives you a nod, Faye, and he goes, now, I don't have script to pay y'all. Uh, I do have some poker chips that are solid gold that we used to give to our high rollers, if that would work for y'all gold works we can work with that in our currency but our deal was for the card to make the up down tube thing work he smiles as he 
shuffles out the cards and shuffles through them a couple of times and then eventually pulls out a solid black card with an arrow on it. And he goes, well, here is my personal elevator card. She'll let Defibulus take it because he's the one who knows how to use those things. Oh, neat, new card. He goes, it should give you access to all of this floor's elevators at least get you up to Emma's place. Now, you use the elevator that you were trying to mess with. Uh, Emma usually is hanging about there. She, uh, she's kind of protective of her floor. And uh, Emma, Emma's a sweet darling, don't get me wrong. But she's sweet for an orc. A uh, little bit sour for everyone else. We've dealt with orcs before. But you did say you would have warned her of us coming up. Have you done that? He goes, give me one moment. His eyes kind of glaze over for a moment as if he is giving a thousand yard stare. And then his eyes kind of snap back into focus. He goes, Emma knows you're on your way. She knows you are at least amblypical to be helpful. Uh, and she does say she's having a few problems. She wasn't clear on what, but Emma ain't gonna bite off more than she can chew. Granted, that woman can uh, bite the side of a tank off and still have room to chew. Oh, a nod and go, what all can you tell me before we head out about pointing to the dead guy that she shot about him or his leader? You call him Psycho? Ah, uh, yeah, Psycho. So, Psycho, I don't know if y'all know what mobs are or mobsters. Not mobsters. Mob typically inclines a lot of people. He thinks for a moment. He goes, hmm. Porches and pitch- pitchforks? Yeah, more like Molotovs and... What? Oh, I know what a Molotov is. We know what Molotov and cocktails are. Okay, gang leaders. Y'all got go gangers, gang, gang leaders. We're not yep. familiar with that term, are we? Gangs, you would. Oh, okay. Maybe not Kalila. Yeah, maybe but not Kalila, but if Defibulus knows, that's fine. Faye has a fair idea of what's going on here. Yeah. He's a. He used to work for some mob boss, and when, uh,. The Drek hit the fan down here. He was trapped down here with a lot of us. And uh, he took it upon himself to decide to try to take over. Well, you can't take over something that's got... He kind of head nods towards where the enforcer disappeared to. Enforcers are. They tend to make you turn into a puddle faster than you can pull a trigger. But he found a way to secure himself a floor of his own. Unfortunately, that floor had a lot of people who were trained in the military arts. And he found a way to bribe and bust his way into control. Now, Emma is ex-security for this place. She chose not to go the enforcer route and decided to stay a little bit more like us. But... She chose to inject herself with more stone skin than I think there is in the world. But now things are going a little south for her, and I know she needs some help. At least to acquire more stone skin. But the the Saka, 
you would be doing the world a favor if you put down that mad dog. He causes more problems. He uh, flooded an entire floor just to get rid of people. And when I say flooded, that floor, you need to have some water breathing to get through. And it is ice cold. It's like death itself is giving you a big old hug and welcome to the other side. Good thing I worship a god of death and destruction. Yeah, he might actually keep you safe. So is that floor bypassable? Because I just don't like the cold. Emma would know more than I. I stay down here because this is where it is the safest. I'm as far away from the psycho as the psycho can be. And Emma tends to be a really good uh, defense. I was say, all right, so if we take out your psycho, that leaves a power vacuum. Who steps in? What happens? Does it matter? We get to leave. It matters if the shit hits the fan while we're still in front of the fan. Okay, fair enough. Now, Emma and I have been, Emma and I have been trying to get rid of him, but we can't get close enough to him because he holds up his arm that is cybernetic. He is able to track us via all technology. Y'all don't have it. I think y'all are off his radar. I think he's going to have to see you to hunt you. He had some DECA implant him with some way to track people that all all chromed up. So. Do you by chance, since he tracks you through your motioning to him, technology... Do you have a spare piece if I need to throw him off our trail? Well, he walks over to an old corpse that is looks like it has been fried by electricity, and he starts to pull and yanks off an entire arm. He goes, it's a little damaged, but I could hook a battery up to it and or show y'all how to hook a battery up to it, and it would act like it's if it was a, a real person. Would it work in... You know, throwing him off the scent. If he gets too close. Well, he's kind of a, a dunce. He ain't... I mean, you know, Mom always told me not to, to speak ill in school, but, uh... You know, ha- have you ever met someone that is, uh, denser than stone and twice as heavy? Oh, yeah. There's this guy in the Holy City. <laughs> <laughs> Who hasn't? If you haven't, it's probably you. Yeah, well, that's him. He is... He he carries himself a big gun. Uh, a Thomas Special. Can empty clips faster than uh, you can breathe, but tends to not able to hit his target and uh, requires others to help him plan out anything more than just a frontal assault. So... He hands you all the cybernetic and goes, Now, I would be careful with this. After you hook the battery up, there is a good chance it might overload. So I would just, like, set it and throw it and run. That's the idea. So that way we turn left, he thinks we go right because we chucked it right. Absolutely. So he finds a small battery pack that is labeled as high voltage and kind of walks you through the quick connection of it. You know, we could just attach that to Mr. Skellingsworth here. He could walk around and be our uh, our decoy. We just don't want to hook the battery up and alert our signal until we need to. That's a simple enough action if we prepare a bunch of stuff. I might be able to get the skeleton to do it on a command. 
Yeah, it's basically attaching two wires. The skeleton could do that, so we can rig it and then tell yeah. Mr. Skellingsworth, hey, connect your two wires and then walk left. Yeah. Great. We have a decoy. The lamb to the slaughter! He uh, gives you a nod. He goes, now, I would suggest the fastest route between here and the uh, elevator y'all need is uh, through that northern dole, but uh, there's a lot of sleep and addicted there, if you know what I mean, and I'm pretty sure y'all don't want to wake them up. I keep that room kind of pumped full of uh, this sleeping gas, keep them as docile as I can. So all the way back, or can we go through that door, motioning to the one to the northeast? He goes, that door is sealed off, and that goes to the main hull. I ain't going to get you very far, because it's damaged. Mm, so all the way back, we came then, or stealth through your sleeping guys? Unless y'all don't, I mean, you can. I just don't know what Narcojet's going to do to y'all in that misty form. Well, we've been in there before. And it didn't affect us. He goes, well, then you're more than welcome to cut through that. My car will get you through those doors pretty quick. So look at the Fibulous and Faye. Mm, I'm down to go, I guess. All the way around is going to take us most of this day. Well, maybe an hour or three. Well, now you're not having to stealth or fight. You would probably be able to get through it pretty quick. It would probably take you the rest of the day because of just the sheer amount of walking, but you wouldn't come across any problems because you've already kind of cleared the path. Just take the long route and call it a night. I'm good with either. I, I don't think we have any pressing time at the moment, so... Safe route? I mean, I don't want to get swarmed or eaten, so I'm down for whatever route doesn't get me, me chewed on. Safe route it is. I like not being a chew toy. Lucas, you know, walks you to where the main casino is and then also goes, well, I'm pretty sure y'all pretty hungry. Um, he reaches into a, a storage clean, uh, thing that has a couple of bars. He goes, now these corn of this, they ain't expired, but here's some uh, soy bars that I used to enjoy. This one is a uh, confetti cake. I, I do like me a sweet treat every now and then. Uh, this one is cinnamon roll. It's a little bit on the, the cinnamony side. And this one, this one was one of my favorites. Beef stroganoff. You like beef. She's going to hand him a piece of gator jerky. Try this. He holds it up and sniffs it and puts it in his mouth and chews. And he goes, hmm. Oh, this. Mm. It's called. Is this real meat? It is. It's called gator jerky. He's like, hmm. You got any more? Yeah, you you did us good. She'll hand him another one. He nods and he goes, oh, and uh, payment. Uh, give me a sec. He walks over to one of the slot machines, gives it a tap and then pulls. A minute or two later, you hear the bell of a winning chime and a bunch of gold coins come out. He gathers them up in a, a cloth bag and he goes, there should be, you know, about a thousand gold coins in there. She'll nod. I mean, I didn't hit the jackpot, but at least I got you a thousand. At least for what you've done. Gold is pretty universal, sir. He nods. He goes, now, uh, y'all have a safe trip. I will uh, make sure that the family that is out and about, they leave you leave you quite alone. You've done us for good, and they'll remember that. 
And we'll remember, you did us good. He nods. All right, all the way around. As you guys make your way through the Miranda, it is a little bit less dark and creepy this time. There's music playing and there's the sounds of like nature as you pass through like the garden sections. As you pass through the theater, there's that sound of orchestras warming up that has been piped in through the speakers. And it's quiet and actually nice. It doesn't take you that long before you find the very first place you took a nap in. You hear the chimes letting you know that it's the end of the day and you make your way in. Shutting the door and locking it, you get a peaceful night rest as for once you hear the sounds of night nature, crickets chirping and that soft breeze that is piped in. And that that is where we end this week's episode. The storyteller slowly closes his book and looks out the window as a winter hare darts into the forest. He smiles and looks at us. Well, 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 me friends. It seems as if the adventurers have made themselves an ally, a gambler, Lucas Green, and they have dealt with his problem, getting those strange generators back up and running and providing a little protection process. Well, they are still stuck in the Miranda, deep under the ocean, in a world time forgot, with strangeness all about, with this addicted roaming around, and this new problem known as Psycho that they must deal with. Well, that's all the time we have for this evening. For the moon is high, and it is time for us to go. Well, as always, me friends, may the dice gods bless your every roll. We here at What the Dice would like to thank Paizo for creating Pathfinder epidemic sound for our music as well as sirenscape for our sound effects if you would like to reach out to us you can do so on facebook at what the dice pod twitter at what the dice pod and of course email what the dice pod at gmail.com and if you liked our little adventure please share us with your friends and rate and review us 